Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hyperliterature Presents. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Hyperliterature Presents is an extension of Hyperliterature website. That's at www.hyperliterature.com. My name is Mark Gifford. I'm the creator of both Hyperliterature, the website, and the podcast. In this episode, this is Hyperliterature Discussions on Gender. I sit down with four professional ladies to discuss gender in the 21st century. It was really enlightening for me because I apparently have a very skewed version of gender. Who would have thunk it, huh? Uh, so on this podcast, we've got Lee Romero, who is my wife. She's a sports-trained uh, physician. Then we have uh, Sarah Longoria. She is a nurse in the NICU. And then two of my colleagues, Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez and uh, Lindsay Radcliffe. They are both writing instructors at uh, uh, here in San Antonio. So we sat down and had some brunch, had a few drinks, had some food, had a lot of technical trouble. And I finally got my recording rig to work, and this is the discussion that came out of that. So uh, please forgive some of the little technical glitches. I've got some echoing. Uh, hopefully I'll get that figured out. But uh, this is Hyper Literature Presents Discussions on Gender, Episode Number 3. Enjoy. Okay, so I've already started it rolling. So... Finally, after mechanical failure over and over, we got this stupid thing working. So the reason I wanted to gather the ladies here for podcast was um, when Tank and I were going to some of the schools and we were talking about the scholarships and things like that, we went to a school in Iredell. Iredell had, I think it was nine seniors, and three of them were girls. And we were asking them, after we gave our little presentation about college readiness and all that type of stuff, we were asking them, where are you planning on going to college? Where are you planning on you know, going after high school? And only one of the girls even showed any interest whatsoever, and she was the pregnant girl in the class. The other two were just real sure that they were going to get married immediately after immediately after high school. And Take and I was talking about it afterwards, and we didn't really know how, as far as females were concerned, how what did people expect you guys to do after you graduate high school? We always felt like we were, you know... We could do whatever we wanted, but it was clear that those girls in Iredale thought their place was to either get married or be pregnant, one of the one or the other. Was it? And we all grew up in really different places, so um, I kind of wanted to start with that. Like as you graduated or as you were growing up as a one, young woman, what were you expected to do? I always knew I was going to go to college. Always. Always. I didn't know what I would study, but I always knew that I would be going to college. Both of my parents are college educated. That was just a given. So mine was a little different because neither of my parents went to college. But um, I guess growing up in a very Catholic family, there was no, you know, getting pregnant, getting married immediately. So, um, but also just being from a small town, and I was valedictorian, I was expected to go to college. So I just knew that's what I was doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. College was a definite. I mean, there was no question that going to college was something I was going to do, and. Um, I think my, you know, my, my grandfather's a throwback, you know, World War II generation. You know, he'd make jokes a lot about, oh, I hope you girls marry rich, you know, <laughs> funny, you know, funny stuff like that. But, um, you know, and, and and it was all in good fun. But, but I mean, it was definitely college was going to happen one way or the other. Same for you, sir. Yes, um, I figured that I was going to go to college. Uh, my dad actually was like one of the first to graduate in his family, and so it was a big push for him, more so than my mom, because she didn't go to college. And so he was actually really big in my life and influencing me to go to school and do what I wanted to. 
Um, so he was a big push for me. Do you, do you guys feel like you were outliers? Were Were you the 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 odd ones out in school because of that, or is it just where we grew up that was so gendered? I don't. I don't think I grew up in upstate New York and uh, you know small town. I mean, it was rural New York, um, and uh, you know I would say the majority of students that graduated from my high school went on to college, both male and female. Um, so I, I don't. I don't feel like I was an outlier at all. Yeah. No, at my at my high school, which was pretty big, we were all pretty much college directed right. by the high school. Um, and many of us in my graduating class had serious scholarships to really big, important schools. <laughs> so we were all, I mean. So it was just our school. I think so. I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound like. The Hicks. Because Sarah, you went to. I went to an all-girls private school. Okay. And so that was a big push. Fancy. <laughs> was really, yeah, was college. You know, that's all they pushed the girls towards, so. Well, I came from a not as small as Mark, but a fairly small school too, out in the country. And but we had a fairly good push for going to college as well. I mean, there's always the outliers that didn't in the kind of lower part of the class that weren't mm -hmm. expected to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But the top of our class was mainly females, and we're all going to college. What about in college? I remember at Baylor there was this constant joke about females there getting their MRS degree. That that, uh, that was all that they were there to do was to get their MRS. Well, because they were in education. Well, it was. It was all the, it was, it was, it was all the education majors who were there who, who were said to get their MRS. I mean, did you feel that in college? I felt like I had a really weird college experience because I went later in life, mm -hmm. and then I, I didn't want to hang around frats and sororities, so I hung around people who I hung around in high school, and so I just don't know, uh, and I hung around with the, the karate club, and those were the weirdos and the outcasts, so um, we were. <laughs> to be honest, we were, the, we were the outcasts. So, I mean, did you feel that kind of pressure in, in college? Not really. I mean, I went to a, a Christian school, though, so, I mean, there was definitely more, I mean, you know, our, our, the first of our friends to get married did so immediately after graduation. Um, from college. And so, uh, you know, it was definitely a place where the dean of women on the first, like within the first week of classes, her, her famous saying was, look to your left, look to your right, your future mate may be in sight. So yeah, wow. you were going to get, you were going to, to find a husband or a wife at Grove City College in addition to getting your degree. And those things were just sort of like they went along together, you know. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that I put any pressure on myself. You know, as regards that, but yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think you know, I was in an English program the whole time. I never changed majors, and so it was mostly females in the program. Just straight through. And yeah, I mean, we just plugged along, reading books, and getting our degree. There wasn't any mm -hmm. like goal of trying to get married, or I always knew I wanted to get married. But right. some of my friends who were also in college met people at college and got married before they graduated, but they still graduated. It seems to me the ones who got married earlier tended to be more um, politically and religiously conservative. Yes. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. I think I think so, because they were the ones who were, you know, um, Protestant or even born again. You know, they, I mean, it was just very, I mean, they had saved themselves for marriage and you know, they were waiting for, like, the week of graduation to get married and start the whole process. And some of them started having babies that same year, so. Well, I know one of the things that really disturbed me, and this was a study that came out, I guess it was, let's see, in uh, December 27, 2012. There was a study that went out about uh, gender biases as far as just how perception and gender is, is, is correlated. 
And so during the study, they had, they had 127 uh, professors from science courses, biology, physics, and chemistry professors, to evaluate application materials from undergrad science students. And what they didn't tell them was there were only two applicants, and the applicants were absolutely identical. The only thing that was different in the applications was one had a male name and one had a female name. And they asked these 127 professors from biology, chemistry, and physics to rate the competency level of these applicants and but just based on their CV. But again, the only thing that was different was their names. And by and large, uh, the, the rating was the male was much more competent than the female, again, despite the fact that the ratings were, were, were identical. And even more disturbing than that, they also asked them to rate how willing they would be to act as a mentor for these applicants. And by and large, the, uh, the professors were much more willing to be mentors for the males than they were for the females. That was really disturbing for me. And in the study, they made sure that the professors that they chose were, were mixed gender. So it was both male and female. And females were still more likely to, to choose the male as a competent applicant and as an applicant that they would want to act as a mentor towards. And I guess one of the things that, that, that really, again, just disturbs me to no end, and I know I've told this story over and over again to people, was one of the times that, that Lee and I went down to Houston for a, for a, was it a surgeon's? Orthopedics. It was, it was orthopedics. We, we had dinner with a bunch of orthopedic surgeons. and um, Well, not surgeons. They were applying for They were applying to, to, to residency. To, to residency. And uh, as the applicants were, you know, milling around, shaking hands and everything, somebody walked up and they said, Hi, my name is Dr. So-and-so. And the guy reached his hand over Lee's head to shake my hand. Um, and... You know, I was just there as, as her plus one, um, and and to me that's really disturbing. And I just I, I, I've never really asked you, ladies, as have you ever felt that in your job or in your professional life at all? When I was an undergrad, I was studying English. I wanted to go to school because I loved books, and I wanted to study English because that would let me read books. I knew I wanted a college education, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I always assumed I would teach. I thought high school. I had some really good high school English teachers that I really admired. My mom taught high school math before I was born, and that was kind of like my path. But when I was a junior, I decided I didn't want to be a lit English major anymore. I started hating the people that I was in class with <laughs> um, because I thought they were pretentious. Most so I was, of them were, at least. Yeah, yeah. but I, it wasn't until I was a junior that I realized that, and I didn't want to be one of those jerks. And so... I started studying grammar and linguistics, and I was actually mentored by a male linguistics instructor who saw that ability in me and encouraged me to go to grad school. Right. That's the whole reason I went. Wow. Not because I thought I could do it, because I never thought I could. Just because of him, though. Yeah. Huh. What about you, Sarah? In, in I actually haven't, and I'm kind of a little different because I graduated in 97 and then didn't graduate with my degree until 2004, so I kind of switched majors a lot. Fortunately for me, some of the majors I did switch from were almost predominantly women, I think. I went from fashion design all the way to nursing, and it seems like they were mostly I geared for women, and so I really didn't see that so much. You know, culture was probably the thing that I saw mo most um, that held me back sometimes, you know, where I did see some, you know, a little bit of racism. I said, but as far as gender, I think, um, fortunately, those degrees, uh, I don't know, probably run more by women, I guess. 
At least how I saw it. I so it just know. felt safer then because you were surrounded by females the entire time? Exactly. With fashion design, I mean, that was a large population with most, the majority women. And then as for nursing as well, I mean, the population is mostly women, you know, right. and through my school as now where I work at, you know. So. Uh, well, I think, you know, t to kind of what Sarah said, I think that most of the professional situations I've been in have been woman-dominated. Like, I, th I don't know what I would say, what do you guys think the ratio is at UTSA in our department? I mean, it's it's more women than men. Uh, yeah, I think so, clearly. Um, I, I don't know what the ratio I, is. I don't know if it's like 70-30 or 60-40 or something like that. But yeah. I mean, it's more, there are more women. And when I was in the handbag buying office at Kaufman's department store, my first job out of college, that was all of us were women. Um, our divisional sales manager and our general merchandise manager and the president of the company, however, were all male. So, um, you know, there were women in higher VP positions, but but it was a male-run company. Um, but I didn't ever feel like, even then, you know, I was like 21 years old right out of college, but I didn't feel like I was limited in any way. My boss was a very, very strong <laughs> personality and a strong woman, and she was very well-respected within the, the merchandising and buying communities. Um, and then when I was a social worker, before I became a teacher, um, that was, most of us were women in that um, company too, or in that um, eastern area, adult services, the Department of Aging in um, Pennsylvania. So I think a lot of, I think what, I, I wonder if what Lee and you guys experienced, that, you know, it's such a terrible story, and, and I know I kind of bristle when I hear that, whenever I hear you guys say that story, but I also wonder if it's not specific to careers like, like, I don't know, more surgeon, more surgery than medicine. Lee? I, I would say it's medicine in general has always been a male-dominated world. It started to turn more where there's women now, and it's, I would say, about 50-50 in mm -hmm. medical schools at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still a lot of male dominance, and maybe it's because the field I kind of chose, because I was thinking orthopedics initially, and that was very male-dominant. Um, then I was thinking, you know, then I did a year of general surgery just to see if I would even like surgery, and obviously didn't, and uh, that was very male-dominant. Then went into family, which was still about 50-50, uh, but then I did a sports fellowship, which is mm -hmm. all male. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I've pretty much, everything I've chosen has unfortunately been a male-dominated field, and I've, I've felt that at every turn. And I guess maybe that's why I feel everything is so gendered, too, because I've had to see you struggle and watch how males treat you and understand what they're doing and it it's fucking infuriating for me because i can see what they're doing you know just from kind of a power point of view how they're trying to break you down they want to see or at least and, and you know who i'm talking about but there were there were quite a few physicians who i felt like they felt like they won if they could break a female down right well and i guess to me it wasn't a question like oh i'm purposely doing that because i think you know i majored in chemistry at baylor uh, which was male dominant. I mean, by the time we got to the, the upper level classes, there were only six people in the class and there were only two females, four males. So, and then I did athletic training in college, which again was, we had a, a good number of females too, but um, obviously all the, the head trainer, assistant head trainer, it's all mm -hmm. males. So I guess that's just kind of what you almost expect. And then you go to medical school and a lot of them, you know, there's some female influence, but the majority of the old school ones are all males. All males, yeah. I so. have to say, one, just as an addendum, just, um, that when we graduated from college in 99, that summer Temple went on to start medical school. And when I went to his white coat ceremony that fall, I remember the person leading the ceremony saying that for the first time there in medical school class, there were more women than men. Right. And that stuck with me because I, it was not something that I expected. Wow. Um, so... 
so even then, you know, that was 13, 14 years ago. So, you know, I, I, I think that that's, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but then it's also pretty scary. That's only 13 years ago. Why is it, you know, I, gosh, I just, I'm, I don't know. For me, it just shouldn't have happened way earlier. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. <laughs> I guess. Well, I, I think it's still surprising the things that happen in this day and age with gender issues, but uh, unfortunately it still still does. Do you feel like... Uh, at, at the university, do you feel like that uh, you ever get any pushback from male students? Brooke, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when I get pushback from students, I can't tell if that's a gender thing or just a power just a thing. Being or an just ass. a, you know, I mean, we're all young. I mean, those of us who hang out together, we're young faculty members. We're in our 30s, and I think a lot of times the students see us as like friends as opposed to someone in a position of power i don't know i don't know that's the wrong word but leadership i guess yeah and so they they treat us like we're friends and some of that pushback i think is because of that just because of the boundaries that they don't understand that there are boundaries that exist i think so i i, I don't i mean you know occasionally there's a student who's a jerk but i can't really mm -hmm. tell if it's because he's male and i'm female or just he's a jerk mm -hmm. and i can't make that distinction right yeah, it's very rare, but I mean, there there are occasionally some students that I think, you know, I had one student last semester who just openly challenged me on something in the middle of class while I was trying to lead the class in some sort of discussion, and he openly challenged something like the way that I had scored his quiz, and he said, you need to give me more points back or something like that when I was in the middle of, of talking, and I, I said, you know, and I really had to turn to him and, and tell him, we're going to talk about this after class, and just the way that he handled that situation to think that he could interrupt me while I was leading class, mm -hmm. and, you know, that I did feel like, I, I remember asking myself or thinking to myself, well, gee, I wonder if I'd been an older professor, and specifically a male professor, if he would have, you know, ventured to do that <laughs> yeah I mean, but I that's think rare it's I mean, really yeah, rare yeah i think last semester i had one who challenged me openly during class and told me that the answer or whatever my response was was wrong and i said <laughs> no that's a good way to endear yourself to it's the not no it's not it's in the book it says that's the right answer in the book and he did it in front of the entire class but i don't know if it was because i was a female i don't he was kind of rude to everybody yeah so it's kind of hard to tell yeah. I think just his personality. I think I've been fortunate not to feel like, you know, any, any gender discrimination at work in any respect. Yeah, and, well, and I, and I didn't really necessarily mean gender discrimination in as, as far as administration is concerned. Mm -hmm. I really, I, I really love our our faculty, despite the fact that some drive me bazonkers. <laughs> but um, I, I really meant more from the students. I know we have mm -hmm. a lot of international students, students from really different backgrounds, mm -hmm. and sometimes it, even in my class. Not necessarily towards me, but I can certainly see it in the faces in the audiences when 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 a female starts talking. There there will be some people who try to cut her off or mm. or whatever through conversation, and they don't act the same way when a male student is doing it. There are cultural things I definitely notice with students of different cultural backgrounds where they the male students are more apt to cut anybody off, especially female students. But again. It's really hard to tell whether that's totally culturally bound or... Then there's Deborah Tannen's, you know, that's right. just the way men communicate is that there's more interrupting and where, whereas I might consider that in conversation to be, you know, off-putting for men, if that's you listen to men talk, right. that's what they do. Yeah. 
I don't know. Why am I so sensitive to this? <laughs> Why are you so sensitive to this? <laughs> I don't know. I you don't get the same kind of... Well, it's probably because of me, just because what I've had to deal with that I really do. I mean, you'd be... Or you put me next to someone and I'm clearly better, that they're treated better because they're a male. And it's because I was in an all-male environment where I was seemed as weak just because I was a female. And, I mean, I, I guess part of it, if I were like a bigger female, maybe in short stature, maybe plays a role in it too. But I think part of it is, cause I'm, you know, being a female and then I'm outspoken because I feel, you know, I should be heard as well. And I don't just sit back and take it. So... I don't know. I guess too. Just um, I, I guess the cultural stuff really irritates me too. So when we watch films and things like that, the the whole fairy tale stuff really irritates me. I don't, it's like as a parent, I, Sarah. Do I don't know how much that irritates you, but like that scares me to death. If we have a child, especially if we have a little girl, because I know how I'm going to be. I'm, I'm not going to. What do you mean? Well, like the whole Cinderella type thing. The that whole, some man's going to come save you. Right. Oh. That, that you don't have any power. You are empowered. Somebody gives you power. You don't have it on your own. That that fucking kills me. Like, why is it? And, and I know this is going to get your go too. But like the whole Twilighty type thing. Fuck that. That irritates <laughs> me so bad. It's like, ugh. I think you the, don't have to be given power. You have it. You know? It's interesting that you that you look at it that way because I think as women and maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but we grow up with that. Like we're told the fairy tales, you know, to a girl. You know, the fairy tales were told to a girl, so that's the way we just like we grow up with that as part of our psyche. So I don't think we overanalyze it as much as you are. Maybe most of us, because. Well, like, I don't know. I don't know because I wasn't really taught the whole fairy tale thing. Because my, my sister is very much fairy tale, true love, and I'm like, mm, I never bought into that. I, I would prefer to play with He-Man and Transformers. And I guess I I grew up with a brother, and but I was always very okay. I don't want to say I was very girly. I've never been really girly, but I was a brother. I grew up with that fairy tale idea, but I didn't let it guide my life. I always thought I would get married and have kids, and I did, but it wasn't like my goal in life. Like, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to meet a husband, I'm going to get married, I'm going to start having kids as soon as I can. And I don't guess, and I guess, that I wasn't, I, I never, I don't guess I mean anything that overt, just more implicit ways that women are treated that, 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 that imply that they have a completely different role. So, for example, when we went traveling, one of, one of, our, one of our relatives asked about the, the luggage, something stupid like that. Like, I bet it's a, oh, I bet it's a pain when you guys are traveling. You've got to carry all that luggage. I said, well, we carry a backpack and, and a, mm-hmm. a rolly thing apiece, and it's not really all that bad. Well, what do you have to do when you carry Lee's? I'm like, Lee carries her own. And the relative laughed like I was joking. I'm like, I'm not joking. If she wants to carry her shit, she can carry her shit. I mean, if she needs help, I'm going to help her. But, I mean, we're a team. and you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just that implication that I was supposed to be the one that was taking care of her luggage because she – you know what I mean? It's that well, kind of thing that just – Well, it's also the, the whole women are supposed to be in the kitchen type thing too. So when I grew up, my dad did the cooking. My mom really didn't cook very often. So for me – like that was, ex- you know, I wasn't really expected mm-hmm. that I was going to grow up and be a cook and p- provide for my mm-hmm. husband, you know, cook, clean, that kind of thing. Part of that was, I guess, similar to Lee. I grew up in a family where my mom cooked, but my dad also did a lot of housework. My dad knows how to sew. My dad did his own laundry. 
It wasn't like my mom waited on my dad. And so we were taught, both me and my brother were taught how to do our own laundry when we were in middle school. And it wasn't like nobody was going to wait on us. And I think that helped me realize, like, I have to be independent, be able yeah. to take care of myself. I'd like to have a partner who would help take care of me, but... I, I, still, I don't mean to sound callous, Brooke, like no, I don't I mean, help her out. No, I, I, I don't I'm not saying that you do, but I think I never was... I wasn't trained to be a housewife, like some of my friends were. Some and of my that's friends what I mean. definitely you did, were, but you I You did feel I like you not. had friends who were trained to do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't. So I don't know if that's just my personal experience that kind of makes me feel like yeah that but yeah I definitely had a really close girlfriend growing up whose mom started training her very early how I to remember, clean how to cook I remember having she girl, was responsible for those things I remember having girlfriends not girlfriends but friends who were girls and I specifically remember remember about maybe four or five that I had to teach how to drive a standard shift car. And there are several who had a standard, like their parents had one and they'd never been taught. Well, dad says, I don't need to know how to do that. My dad taught me how to do that. And, and that just blew my mind. I, but see, mean? my dad didn't either. And we had a stick. And so right. I had and a you, guy you never, friend that taught mm -hmm. me. And you were never taught how to change a tire or do things mm -hmm. that, that like my mom and dad were very specific. If you're going to drive you a car, AAA. I don't. you got to know how to do this <laughs> stuff. And so, uh, okay. We, so maybe I do need to, to go back and say, I don't know anything about cars. So when I have a flat tire, well, to I don't mean day, work I, under the tree no, on it or but something. I mean, but I, I still rely heavily on my dad for, even now that I'm married, rely heavily on my dad for car stuff. I don't know how to do any of that. Your dad also has some special skills in that he area. Does. I mean, he's really good. He's the kind of guy that can go to a junkyard and, and he has use never, those parts to fix. He doesn't want to teach me um, either. Yeah. He's, so. See, I had a mom who did everything for me. I mean, I didn't know how to do laundry until I left the house. She cooked all my meals. She did everything for me. And my my dad had left the picture, essentially. When I was 12 years old, my dad and mom got divorced. And and my mom just sort of, you know, swooped in and, and did all the things that, that moms are supposed to do for, for kids, right? And so I didn't actually really learn any of that. I learned how to drive a car, which is more than my sister did. Um, she never got her driver's license. Um but uh, but I remember my high school boyfriend teaching me how to drive a stick shift and yeah. But I, I mean I was very much taken care of by my grandfather too. He was kind of like the father figure that stepped in. Well, that's interesting. My my grandparents had a really interesting relationship. Like my grandmother didn't know anything about vehicles or anything like that, but she was. Thank you. She was incredibly independent. I mean, as far as women are concerned, in that that day and age, she was she was really independent. And that was that was my maternal grandmother. My mm -hmm. paternal grandmother was the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to drive a car. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to balance a checkbook. She didn't ha she didn't know how to do any of that kind of stuff. And it was just really weird growing up thinking about my mom's mom, who. She quit a job because they wanted to give her a raise. Well, I'm sorry, they wanted to give her a promotion, and they were going to give her a pay raise. But it was a position that was normally held by a man, and they weren't going to give her the title. 
Like they were going to mm-hmm. promote her, but that she couldn't get the title, and it was pretty clear it was because she was a woman. And so she quit because of that. I mean, that's like who my grandmother was in the in the '60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my 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 dad's mom was like, really, she didn't know how to drive. She didn't know how to do anything really. Um, and when when my grandfather passed away, she was helpless, completely and totally lost because she couldn't do anything. When I was in high school, a neighbor family um, was very similar to that, where the the mother they had there were lots of kids, like eight kids. The mother didn't know how to pay bills. She didn't know how to write a check or do anything like that. And when the husband passed away, the wife didn't know how to take care of the family. And my mom, I think, saw that, and it scared her. Mm. So that was like that next month, I got a checking account. My mom started teaching me how to do that kind of thing because she didn't want me to be dependent in that way. Right. So I think that added a lot to it. So I had a checking account early. I had a savings account when I was about 11, but I started learning how to write checks and, and just do pay yeah. for things. And, you know, my parents had me take a math of money class, partly because I'm bad at math. <laughs> partly, I think, too, because... I needed those life skills, and it was like how to pay a mortgage, how to pay bills, how to balance a checkbook. And I, those are good skills to have, I think, for anybody, but it was good especially for me because I didn't know how to do that. And I think my mom saw other people in our immediate area that were struggling with that, and it was like the impetus for, okay, I right. can't leave her like these other women. I remember, too, there was a... Um when we were in grad school, we had Sue home. I can't remember what class. I don't know if you were in this one or not. I think it was one of the criticism classes or theory. No, I think it was a theory class. But in any case, Sue home was talking about her husband, and they had just gotten married at that point. And somebody in the class said, "I think, I don't. I think they said shit or something along those lines." But in any case, she she laughed and then she said, "Oh, be, be glad my husband isn't here. He doesn't allow he doesn't allow foul language around females." Mm. And that. They can, I, I just didn't understand that, like, at all because, well, for one, I mean, we're all friends, and obviously I have a terrible, terrible vocabulary, and I just really don't stifle it around different genders. Like, I don't care. I really act – I try not to act any differently around males than I do females. Nor should you. I mean, that's fucking offensive. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's how I fucking and, 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 <laughs> My mouth has gotten worse since I've become friends with you and Jim. Has it really? Yes, it has. You swear I mean, more or, Mark, or more vulgar swearing? You know, or? Mark cusses at home, and right. that's obviously, like, kind of encouraged me to cuss a lot more. But you and Jim have really set something off in me where... It's liberating, though, it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. But I find myself being more... I would consider it aggressive, but more... You know, like, in front of my class on Friday when they made me mad, I was like, I don't mean to be a bitch, but... You're making me upset. And I was like, oh, I just said that in front of my class. So I'm going to probably get complained about, you know, but. I don't think my vocabulary has been altered by you or Jim <laughs> at all. Um, Good. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't really change the way I talk at all, I don't think. Well, it's hard for me because it's especially when we have to go to these parties that are like kind of mixtures and things like that. You know, you have to kind of, or at least I always feel like I have to kind of walk a line because I have a really terrible sense of humor. And then when I'm around people that I know, 
the language gets really bad, and you never know, or at least I feel like I never know who's going to be offended by that, and it's especially worse, it's, or at least it, for me, it's compounded when I think, well, there might be a female around who really will get upset about that, you know, kind of like Sue Hum when she says, well, my husband doesn't allow people I don't, to I definitely wasn't me. in that class. I feel like I would have remembered her saying that. Really? Yeah, I don't remember that Yeah, I remember that specifically. I, I think it was, the guy's name was Daniel who said the swear word. Um, but yeah. I wonder if that's I don't know that that's a gender thing though. You don't think so? No, I think just certain people are 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 raised yeah. not to speak a certain way, not to behave a certain way. I think Lindsay is a very good example and of I that. She's definitely. very reserved about the way that she approaches talking about certain scenarios and I know, I mean, yeah. I don't think that's because I she's a raised. female. I think it's because that's how it occurs to me now that a, a friend of Temple's that's in the military, he's also a cardiologist. I remember being in uh Philadelphia and we were we were talking and uh I remember saying and I said fuck that you know or some I you know just in conversation he was like hey hey you know and he really was and later on I found out he he was like you hey watch your language you know and I was like are there kids around like what did I miss right. no he just didn't think that that was appropriate for me to say and that that made me angry <laughs> I remember being really angry and I was like what's this guy's deal and Temple's like well you know he's just he's he's very strict Christian and like, all right, whatever, dude. As if there's a rating system for adults. Mm-hmm. Right. And for I was like, day. if I, you know, I I don't know if I personally offended the guy or what, but I mean, he just didn't think that that was appropriate language for a woman to use. And I was like, come on, dude. You um, were the one that got in trouble. Oh, I'm sorry. Go okay. ahead. You were the one that got in trouble for saying mother puss bucket at the table. Is yes, that right? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I guess I was kind of taught by both my parents that there's a time and a place for that. And just, um, I guess... If you're smart enough, then you can use better language, I guess, is how my dad put it. You know, I remember not knowing. Um, we went to Jack and we were going to go to Jack in the Box one time, and I told my dad, I was like, yeah, take me to Jack in the Crack. And I, didn't, I had no idea what that meant, and he had gotten so upset with me. <laughs> um, you don't speak like that, you know. Don't talk like that. You don't know what that means. And so I got in trouble by my dad, and then, yeah, I got in trouble at the dinner table for saying Mother Puss Bucket. <laughs> what it means. There's always a time and a place, you know, as far as my parents were concerned. Right. Yeah. Well, see, and my dad always said, you know, because my sister and I would always say freaking, freaking this and freaking that. Mm-hmm. And my mom hated that, you, too. You might as well just say it. Just say fuck. It. So <laughs> this is at this point in my life, I'm like, well, just fuck it then. Cause, yeah, uh, I really, you know, but I, I guess in the work environment I'm in and mm-hmm. the people I'm surrounded by, I can't say those things. Mm-hmm. Number one, with patients around them. Mm-hmm. And then number two, with just the staff, some people get offended very mm-hmm. easily. So you have to be careful and I guess living with Mark and being married to him my sense of humor is also off and the references I say and everybody just kind of stares at me but so I guess maybe when I get home maybe I cuss a little more just to to get it out of my system because <laughs> kind of like Bob Saget doing stand up yeah. to... <laughs> right I have to be full house at, at work right and, yeah that's right I, I will say though Danny I, don't, I don't cuss around my parents oh, I do. It, do. see that to me it seems very um, disrespectful, even now as a 30-year-old, 32-year-old woman. And I don't know where that came from because my dad cusses like a sailor. See, it was always a huge joke whenever mom would get mad enough to curse. It was fantastic. <laughs> and I hope she listens to this because this was great. So I'm riding with a friend of mine. We're probably 16 or 17, and we were loading bales of hay. And one of the guys who was helping us was in the other pickup. And he was renowned for not doing his work and being lazy and things like that. And so uh, mom's driving the truck. I'm sitting in the middle, my friend's sitting in the, the driver or the passenger seat, and the other guy comes up and parks right next to us. And she rolls the window down to talk to him. 
and he won't roll his window down. And she keeps making the universal sign for roll your window down, the hand rolling. You know, and he just keeps doing it. And finally she gets so mad she just screams at him, roll down the fucking window <laughs> as loud as she can. And from here on out, anytime mom is in a car or in a truck or anything like that, we have to, Debbie, can you roll down the fucking window for us, please? <laughs> and, it, and that was 15 years ago, and it was just hysterical. But, yeah, we I never had a problem cussing around my mom Mm-mm. and dad. I cuss around her parents Mm-mm. all the time. I do too. Yeah. It's unremarkable to, to hear my mother swear. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I uh, see my my parents don't swear that often. Usually when they're mad, mm-hmm. when they're upset. Um, but it's not. They're not like. Now, if I just said "fuck this" and "fuck that" every time, and especially if my niece and nephew are around, I guess. But otherwise, I don't think they have a problem with it. Sarah, how do you handle Sophie when she swears? Because I know she, she has, has. No, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Not yet. No, not yet. Not yet. How are you going to handle it? Oh, probably f- it's fine. It, com- it comes with age. And honestly, I can say with my parents teaching my sister and I, you know, not to cuss, you know, um, they, now that they're older, they do cuss around us. Right. I will say, you know, when right. dad and, and Jim drink together, I can hear the F-bomb come out, you know, and especially with my mom, you know, she's real notorious for saying bullshit all the time, but you know. I think it's definitely changed with age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's funny hearing students in the classroom as if we don't hear them cursing. You ever get that where the students are talking amongst themselves mm-hmm. and somebody says a swear word and they're like, shh. Mm-hmm. Like I can hear you. Every conversation you have, do you not understand how your voice works? But yeah, they try to silence each other and things it, like that. And I don't – I mean, you know, I'm going to tell another story that makes it sound like I cuss in the classroom all the time, which I really don't. But um, – <laughs> We were doing a reading the other day from the book, and it was all, it was all about um, how violent video games empower female players. Mm. And so I was really trying to get the students, especially the gamers, to engage in this. And, of course, nobody wants to talk. And so part of the point she was making, the female author was making, was that her gamer tag was embracing apathy. And that in the game lobbies of these online gaming environments people would start picking on her and giving her, or I guess saying homophobic things to her, just assuming that she was a gay male player. And she took that as kind of a sign of empowerment. Like they don't know anything about me, you know? So I said, could you tell just from embracing apathy, if that's a female or a male player? And they said, oh, that's definitely a female player. And I said, is it because of the embracing? And they said, well, I don't know. It's just, what is apathy? But that doesn't make any sense. I was like, well, what is apathy? And they were like, I don't know. What does that word mean? And I said, it means I don't give a fuck. Like, it, that's what it means. And they were like, this horrified look on their faces, like, that I just said that. And I was like, that's, that's what it means. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to describe I it. I don't think that's in the dictionary. Though. No, but <laughs> Jim and I are totally <laughs> ruining you. To, when you're talking to 18-year-olds. <laughs> we are totally ruining you. When you no, but I mean, when you're talking to 18-year-olds, how else do you describe apathy? That you just don't care. Right. I mean. Because everyone look around just, now. Yeah. All of your attitudes, apathy. that is apathy. <laughs> I should have used that on Friday. Yeah, that during is. During my rant. read their lectures. Oh. Well, and that's a, you mentioned gamer. So at the other school that we went to, so the first school we went to was really sad and depressing. Like I said, there were I think nine students. Three of them were females. One was I think six months pregnant, and the other two just wanted to get married. And we asked them, "Are you engaged now? No. You have a boyfriend? No. 
just wanted to get married. Like that was their goal. Mm -hmm. The other school was really, really positive. But uh, <laughs> at the very end, like, well, well, during Tank's presentation, he talks about some of the friends he's had and the positions they hold now in the, in the professional world. And one of our friends works at uh, at ZeniMax, and they're they're developing the Elder Scrolls MMO. So like this huge game. And he talks about that in the in the presentation. And after it, this female comes up to him and is like, oh, your friend works for, for the Elder Scrolls. That's really cool. And she was really into it and things like that. And she walks away. And Tank turns to me and he says, there's a girl who plays video games. Like, Tank, you're like, what, what, what age do you think we're living in? I said, I would say about half of the female students in my classroom are just as excited about Portal 2 as I was. He's like, man, we grew up in the wrong age. I swear, we grew up in the wrong age. I'm like, well, maybe we did. My but, students are shocked that I know the names of the video games that they're talking about. I may not have played them, but I'm familiar with them. And when I talk about, you know, my favorite part so far of Assassin's Creed 3, they're shocked that I... Because you're old or because you're I a female? Know. I don't know. Old. It could be old. all of those things. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think I really do think I'm, in some ways, like, how does she even know video games exist? Right. You know? But... Well, it's gotten, it, it, like I said, it floored Tankersley that there were females that actually played video games. Like, why does that surprise you? Some me? of the best video gamers in the world are That's women. That's what I told him. Okay. We have better hand-eye coordination. Better hand-eye coordination, yeah. <laughs> 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 I do remember, too, this was something that um, our old karate, karate instructor used to say. He, he, uh, he wrote a book about how to teach karate. It was this huge manuscript that he never did anything with that I had sitting on the computer. And it's really cool because it's his, kind of his insights from 30 years of teaching. Um, but one of the things he says in there to other instructors is that you never pair a female up with another female. Pair a female up with a male. He will make her work. Two females together will allow the others to, to rest. Hmm. But see, you never got that. Like with Milton, he never – I never felt like a female because no, no, he treated I, you. And I, 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 know, I, I know what you're he, saying. I don't think he meant it in a gendered way. That was just his right. observation was that females will work harder if and you I put think, them – at least in exercise. I don't know. Well, I don't and I think that depends on the female because any time I was paired with a female, I was meaner than I was. Yeah, you're yeah. – <laughs> <If the males. laughs> But that was just me. So I don't know. I always thought that that was interesting though. Well, we're at 40 minutes, ladies. Any closing thoughts? What did we learn? Nothing. That I have a really <laughs> skewed view of gender and that I am, in fact, more, more disturbed by it than you are. I think Anything so. Well, I, th I think, though, it, it, it's also skewed just because, as we discussed at the very beginning, um, I'm the only one that's kind of in a male-dominant field at this point. You are both mm -hmm. English, which is predominantly female in your department. Nursing is a predominantly female. I mean, they actually make fun of males that are mm. male. Yes, nurses. we do. We do. Yeah. I do it on occasion. <laughs> Thank you. And see, that's fucked up. I take exception to that because as a male, I would like to be able to be a nurse. I don't want to be called a nurse. <laughs> but you take care of babies in my field. Right. <laughs> Not only are you a nurse, you're a baby nurse. <laughs> A baby nurse. It's, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, when I took my son one time to the unit, I was like, look, Noah, there's a male nurse. Was... So you're starting early. <laughs> that's, that's messed up. Yeah, we poke fun at him. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for participating in the podcast. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks Mark. You're yeah. welcome.